Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad you're back with us today. Thank you for taking some time out of your day. We are super excited to talk with you today about Around the World in a Day. Classic album. Yep, 1985, just after Purple Rain. But before we get to that, we have a little bit of exciting news. Let's hear it. Exciting news. So this episode releases on September 2nd. And September 2nd is the first day of a contest that we're having. What, we're giving something away? We are. We're going to give something away. And it's super easy for you to win. All you have to do is share our Facebook posts or retweet our tweets. Those are each one point. So every time you share a post or retweet a tweet, we'll give you an entry. But what we really want you to do is rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Preferably positively. Positively. (laughs) We would like that. That'd be great. Yeah. So if you rate and review, take a screenshot of it and then email us. So here's the places where you can find those things. On Facebook, we're the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast. On Twitter, we're at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, and you can email us at tmatspodcast at gmail.com. So So if you review, you've got to take a screenshot of your posted review and email it to... To us, and we'll give you five entries for that. Super cool. Now, you're probably wondering, that's great, what can I win? I want to know what I can win. (laughs) Actually, I want to know what I'm giving up. (laughs) Well, you're not really giving up anything because I ordered one of these for ourselves as well. But we have an official Paisley Park collectible enamel pin that is the Paisley Park building. It is super cool. It's It's really well done. It's really well done. I thought that I got two of them. Apparently, I only get to keep one. You only get to keep one. The other one we're going to give away to one lucky listener. Fair enough. This is a really cool little item. I think it's really, really neat. And, of course, there'll be a picture of it on... Uh, our social media. So if you want to see what this looks like before you decide whether you're going to participate or not, I think you're going to want this because it's really cool. Yeah. You can also see it on the Paisley Park official store. Yes. Which is where we got it. Right. Yes. So I thought I wanted one of these for us. So I thought, why don't I get one to give away? And of course we're giving it away because we'd like you to tell your friends. Yeah. Help us out and uh, have a chance to win a really cool collectible. Yeah. Excellent. So do that. We'll remind you again at the end of this podcast. That is going to run through September 21st. That will be the last day for entries. And then we'll announce it on the pod that releases on September 30th. Great. And online as well. And online, of course. And this includes shipping anywhere you might be in the globe, in the whole wide world. Sure. So this pen could actually go around the world. That's right. In a day. But probably not because we're not going to do overnight shipping. Yeah, we're not going to. Especially not if you like live in Sweden or somewhere. Right. It'll get to you eventually. Yeah. Around the world in a few days. Yeah. Or a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on customs. Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. So now that we've got that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, let's talk about Around the World in a Day. What an awesome album. Yeah. It's a good. I'm already dreading picking a mountain and a sea. And a sea. And that's at the end of the podcast. We've got at least a good 45 minutes or an hour (laughs) until we have to do that. Thank goodness. So we discovered after listening to this album for a while, I remembered that I actually had the LP, the record, because <laughs> uh, I went back looking for 
lyrics, and I knew that I had the long box CD of when this was orig- originally released on April 22nd, 1985. It was released on CD and came in a long box that folded out and had a little pocket where a little insert for the CD so went. cool. And I, over the years, 30, 40 years, however long mm-hmm. it's been, have misplaced it. Yeah. It's, it's long gone. All I've got is the original CD. Uh, but then it struck me that ah, somewhere along the lines, I think I picked up the actual record. Well, I went online. I was like, hmm, I wonder what it there is out there. How much does this stuff cost? And I'm like, ooh, there's a really cool record uh-huh. it's for sale on Etsy. And you're like, wait a minute. I think I have the record. <laughs> uh, to me, it seems like the uh, thought and effort that went into the artwork for this album was... Uh, exceptional in Prince's career. Just uh, the amount of work that went into it, the thought that went into it, the fact that uh, it's a a painting by Doug Henders. Yes. um, Who's a great example of someone who was on Prince's staff and tasked with doing a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Probably too much. Yeah. From videoing during the Purple Rain tour, setting up the stage, art direction on stage, and then was tasked with creating artwork for this album. Very cool. Really, really cool. It's a beautiful, it's so, it's cartoony but in such a unique and mm-hmm. lovely way definitely and just a little re- surreal yeah it really i think it fits the album really really well yep i agree yeah. there's characters uh you know pictured playing different instruments or pose that all have some kind of connection with a song or a lyric mm-hmm. in the album which is really neat yep and while i was snooping around online uh-huh. i found uh photographs of the notes that Prince gave to yeah. Doug Henders uh-huh. about, about what he what, wanted. about what he wanted, and it's you know, it's always a pleasure to see Prince's handwriting and yes, just so, like get a chance to like look at that. It feels so personal, especially mm-hmm. now when so many people type everything. You very you don't see people's handwriting nearly as much as you used to. Yeah, that's very true. And Prince's is, is very distinctive. Yes. And it's yeah. so pretty. It's great that it was saved too. After all these years, you could see that being discarded, but um, yeah. Doug thought to keep it. And yep. now it's, you know, kind of a piece of Prince history. Yep. I thought it was really, um, neat there. <laughs> Some things were kind of funny. Uh, and, the fourth note is an old black man, age 55, crying. <laughs> I'm like, he's old at 55. Um, it just speaks to Prince's youth at this yeah, time. Yeah, being 26 or yeah. however old he was yeah, at the time. Yeah, he was, you know, in his mid to late 20s, and he yeah. thought 55 was really old, and it doesn't seem old to me. Right. Well, and I my think parents he was thinking... are a little older too. So it kind of 55 didn't seem old to me in my mid to late twenties because my parents were already older than that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. And at this point, that was probably about the age of his dad. Yeah. Um, and I will probably. say that the painting of the old man looks much, looks older. much older than 55. <laughs> so maybe Doug interpreted it a little differently than, you know, age yeah. 55. Yeah. Go ahead. Did you have yeah. some other notes? Um, he was evidently really excited to be writing these notes because they're numbered one to 15, but uh-huh. there's two number nines. Oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was kind of funny. So really, it's they're numbered 1 to 15, but there's 16 notes. Oh, cute. Yeah, and the nines don't go together. Right. Yeah. He so, just miscounted. 
yeah, he's just, he's a busy guy yep. who knows, you know, he's just like in his brain writing these things down and numbers it wrong. Yes. And I mean, as someone who works at an ad, ad agency, I read these and I could see, I could feel like Doug Hender's heart sink. <laughs> it was like, I want these 16 things in my album cover and think, well, how in the world am I going to? Pull this, this off, off and uh-huh. paint it all. This is crazy. Yeah. And then you look at how it's all composed and it's he really He did well such done. a great job. Yeah. yeah. Did you notice also that there, the mountains in the back is the silhouette of a woman laying down? I don't think that I did. Yep. Let's open up this. Oh, it sure is. Uh, look you, at the, that. The, the giveaway is the breast on the uh-huh. far right yep, side. There's a, a, there's a total, totally a nipple on there. Yep, there's yep. a nip slip on the cover <laughs> of Around the World in a Day. But you wouldn't notice it, especially when it's not laying flat. Like, I think, because you have yes. the CD, has got it, like, half the artwork's on one side and half of the artwork's on the yeah, other. Yeah, and even in digital formats now, everything is basically square. So right. So this was really you made for an LP. Right. So you don't see the entire thing without a little bit of work. We also thought it was kind of interesting that the little boy holding the balloon with the paisley-shaped prints in the revolution around the world in a day appears on the CD... But appears nowhere on the album, right. front or back, which yeah. is really kind of neat. Huh. It's really neat. Um, and this is where the the little Paisley logo symbol that's for Paisley Park yes. came from. Yeah, it was used up until uh, 1989, and then they switched over to just a type treatment for Paisley Park right. for the record label. And now the estate has readopted the original Paisley Park um, kind of type warped into the shape of a paisley, which I read online and is not credited in the album notes that was done by Margot Chase, who is a very famous designer um, who worked on a lot of albums for Prince, including Graffiti Bridge and did the type treatment for Love Sexy um, and had her own agency in New York. Um, and she did things for Buffy the Vampire Slayer and oh, Madonna, neat. custom type, tre- type treatments. But there were a number of places I read online that she did all the paisley-shaped type for this but she's not credited in the album notes so i don't know if that's for sure or not but this is definitely when i started studying type and looking Uh at how these things were put together and every song on this album in the lyrics and listed on the back is in a different typeface and it's in the lyrics themselves every other every word is in a different typeface Mm -hmm. too so very whimsical and fun and i remember staring at this thing forever especially the inside of the album where there's this color altered landscape photo mm-hmm. um, with a rainbow or a painting. in it. Do you think it's a photo? I think it's a painting. Well, maybe it is a painting. I think it's a painting. In any case, just beautiful and very odd colors, very pretty colors, definitely kind of a dreamscape and just kind of a feast for your eyes if you have time to sit down and look at things like I think people used to do when they went out and bought an album physically. Yeah. And it's kind of a lost art now. I agree. Well, especially now because there's not really booklets. I mean, you get even album cover. Yeah, there's you might not get booklets. A, you might get a digital often. booklet if you're lucky, but you're more yeah. likely to get a short film or a video with a digital release as opposed to actual artwork. Right. And I think I miss that a little. Yeah, I especially revisiting this album because it's really the the it's essence really of the album is, is of course the music, but the artwork is such a great complement to it all. So the uh, designer who made the Paisley Park logo, did she also do the yes. Around the World in a Day and Prince in the Revolution yes. circles? Yes, okay. that's They're what I really understand. Cool. Um, I cannot. I found it in a couple places online, but it's not credited, like I said, in the in the album credits. Um, but 
Margot Chase is a famous designer, and she tragically passed away in a plane crash um, in July of 2017. She was actually piloting a plane that went down, and her agency is still alive and well in in New York. Very cool. Yeah. Yep, this album did extremely well, right on the heels of Purple Rain. It was a number one on the Billboard charts and certified multi-platinum uh, July 2nd of 1985, just, uh-huh. you know, a few months after it was released. Actually, a month and a half. It was released yeah. April 22nd. Okay. Well, no, you're right. A couple months yeah, after couple it was months. released. April 22nd, 1985 is when it came out, and that was just 10 months after the soundtrack to Purple Rain came out, which is Amazing. insane. And only two weeks after the last date of the Purple Rain tour in Miami, this thing showed up. So he recorded all of this basically on tour. Um, either on tour or even before the tour started. Wow. A lot of it. So wow. yeah, by the time we experienced Purple Rain, he had nearly completed the follow-up to Purple Rain wow. in, in essence. That's cool. Which is true of many of his albums, but that's especially, you think of all, all that was going on, a movie... Uh, soundtrack, all the associated artists that were part of Purple Rain that Prince wrote, produced, or performed as um, an entire world tour and a follow-up album 10 months after the previous album showed up. That's insane. And uh, he requested that there would be no singles released before this album came out and Warner Brothers complied. I think at this point in his career he probably could have said jump and Warner Brothers would have said how high because mm-hmm. he just had a How many times? How high? Yeah. Whatever you want, yeah. we'll do it. On my feet or on my hands? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was sort of an underground release at first before the first singles started showing up, so it was kind of a word of mouth thing back then. There were a few print ads for um, the album being released, but they were industry things. So it was kind of you. It was a, just something to discover if you went to a record store and all of a sudden there's this surprise album. That's so cool. Um, and he positioned it as an album for himself that he made for himself and for fans that had been with him forever and that he had become sick of seeing himself on the cover of every <laughs> single one of his albums. So, so that's, that's why, why he wanted the he wanted the painting. Mm-hmm. So that's I really think cool. yeah, kind of a neat uh, entry in his catalog in that regard. Yeah, neat. All right, shall we dive into the songs themselves yes let's do it all right around the world in a day well i guess go go ahead uh, written by uh lisa's brother david yes and uh, i guess prince gave david studio time as a gift yes and then heard the song and said i want it yes yeah and i'm sure david was like cool yeah Sure. Uh, go right as ahead. much as he was doing, I had I wonder I don't think he had any idea at the time that it would become the title track to the follow up to Purple Rain, which is kind it's of pretty amazing. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think from the very beginning of this song you get the feeling that uh, this is gonna be a very different direction in music from Prince, mm-hmm. that he wasn't going to he was gonna do his best not to repeat himself after Purple Rain. Right. You know, you've got these international instruments. The beginning kind of sounds like something you'd you'd hear on a world music album. Yeah, I was like, I can't decide if it's got an African flavor mm-hmm. or a space flavor, which is like pretty disparate sounds. <laughs> and I can't decide which one I really think it is because I think it's maybe a little both. Yeah, like I think- it's very like sci-fi kind of futuristic, but it also kind of sounds like the. An African instrument that we're not super familiar with, and yeah, you definitely know. Like I said from the beginning, that this isn't just the Revolution, the six-person band that he put together for um, you know 1999 and Purple Rain. That 
There are others involved, string instruments. And you look at the credits of this album, there's a goblet drum, a darbuka, which I had I looked up to see what the heck that was. Uh-huh. And an oud. An oud. I think O-U-D. that's the thing that makes the whistly sound. No, it's a pear-shaped not- short string instrument. It's like a really? short little 11 or 13 string uh, instrument. So, really yeah. neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Very, very worldly sounding. But you do get a little break in the middle of the song. You know, when I when I first heard this, I thought, oh, this must be kind of retrospective on what he's been, what his world has been like for the past 10 months to a year, you know, uh-huh. traveling and doing this tour. It's been a whirlwind. And then you find out that it was recorded before any of that really happened. Right. So it was in his mind before then. So very, very worldly sounding uh, about opening your heart, opening your mind to take a uh, to go on a trip with him. Yeah. yeah, he says the little one will escort you. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, Prince is going to take us to new places That's in our right. mind. It's self-referential, the little one. <laughs> we do get a, a nice break in the song where he says... And you get a very clear revolution sounding break there with a keyboard part that's kind of reminiscent of Baby I'm a Star a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I read that John L. Nelson, his dad, uh-huh. had a writing credit yep. on this song. Yes. And the thought is that that little break right there is some of his work, like that that was his work repurposed oh. to be. Uh, it, yeah, I could see that. To Prince's that he, end, like he may was, have done it as a piano part or something right, like that. Yes, and then that you know they re they kind of took that and mm-hmm. reimagined it a little bit for the song, but that his dad was given a writing credit, and that's why he says, "Hey, Papa, I think I want to dance." Uh-huh. It's his dad's music that they've then incorporated. That's very cool. It's you know, he had started neat. repairing his relationship with his dad, and Purple Rain was kind of. You know, the public yeah. statement of that, and there were songs in Purple Rain that had guitar solo parts that were really piano parts that were written by Prince's dad yeah, as well. Yeah, really cool. it's really, really cool. The outro, um, as the song fades out, yeah. um, I had this sweet man that I used to work with who was a copywriter, and when he left our company, he kind of gave everyone a little gift, and oh. he gave me a Prince postcard and wrote this part on the back of it. It was really, really cool because he had to look this up. It's not in a lyric sheet. It's not part of a popular album. Right. He was kind of a free spirit, yeah, hippie, yeah. I guess you could say. Sweet guy. Yeah, yeah and it's the, the lyrics are, a government of love and music boundless in its unifying power, a nation of alms, the production, sharing ideas, a shower of flowers. Aww. And he wrote, we should work together more, something like Aww. that, when he, when he left. And he passed away not long ago, too. So this right. is kind of a neat little special Aww. thing that I still have on my desk That's at work. That's really cool. Yeah, really, really cool. So that part is you kind of have to turn... The music up as the song is fading out to even hear him say this, and yeah. it's said in a way that's sort of difficult to understand. Uh, but I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, so this definitely kicks off a nine-song journey that is going to be different than anything you've heard from Prince before. So yeah. buckle up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yep, or buckle down. Yeah, one or the other. All right, and then we have Paisley Park. This song predates the. Sh- physical structure right. of Paisley Park. Yes, even though in the credits it says recorded at Paisley Park. It's sort of like no. another uptown, yeah. which we've talked about before, this idyllic place where uh, people find their peace, their creativity, and their freedom. It's a little bit of heaven. Yeah, it is a little bit of heaven. I read an older review of this album um, from, I think, 1985 when it came out, Then it called the song Prince's Funk Nursery Rhyme. Oh, cool. And I thought that was great because it is kind of this kind of swinging beat and very um, 
colorful lyrics that yes. are a little childlike, but sophisticated enough to mean something to an adult, but um, right. easily sung along with. Yeah, I thought it was a little sing-songy, it but is. it really, really worked. Mm-hmm. It like it wasn't sing-songy in an annoying way. Right. It was. It really worked. Very endearing mm-hmm. way. I think. Absolutely, I say. and the like you said, there's really simple but powerful descriptions. The people are colorful, but I think that had more to do with their personalities than mm-hmm. their race. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, things like people whose hair on one side is swept back. Uh-huh. Very, very 1980s, first yeah. of all. But also just they're full of style and doing their own thing. Uh-huh, yeah. But you can also see their faces. And mm-hmm. in their faces, you see their profound inner peace. Yes. Which I was like, oh, you don't really think of that as like, it's what a good description that is. You use three words uh-huh. and you really can understand that it speaks to you it's simple and succinct but powerful i thought it was great yeah this was really prince maturing i think as a um songwriter and a lyricist yeah um and of course with input from wendy and lisa i think had a big big part of that too opening his mind to different types of music and different musicians that he would have not been exposed to otherwise right um there's some political messages in here as well yeah uh, you know 1984 Four-ish when this was recorded, you know, the height of the Reagan administration and Cold War with Russia. Yeah, whoever said elephants were stronger than mules. Right, right. I think it's sort of his way of saying, uh, what do political parties have to do with this? Neither one is completely right. Right. And then, of course, later on. Well, and I think he's kind of saying that Paisley Park is a politics-free zone, that, you know, there's other things to talk about. And agree upon, right. you don't have to agree upon that to be able to mm-hmm. have a place at Paisley Park. Yeah, it's free of those types of things. Mm-hmm. And a place where we can all agree peace and harmony was part right. of this as well. And uh, the third verse, the uh, man's home is destroyed, but he still has to pay taxes on it. I, yeah. I was redoing some reading about that and... They said that was probably because Prince was witnessing some gentrification happening there in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. That you know that maybe that was a little bit of a, a hearkening mm. to that. Like you still have to pay taxes on it, even though you can't live there. Yeah, you know, been and that was it's yeah. been condemned. You can't live there. It's you know it's not safe. But well, you still own it, so you have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> yeah. And you know how what a challenge that w- he would have seen that to be for people. And right. Right. And then um, in the second verse, he talks about uh, a husband made his wife so sad. Because he was naughty. Because he was naughty. Right. And um, he died without forgiveness, but she was sad about it. And I really yeah. thought that that was, he said, maybe she can come to Paisley Park and forgive him and life won't be so bad. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, that's kind of a nice way of reminding us that forgiveness is for us, right. we forgive others so that we can be free. Correct. Not because they deserve it or not because they need it. Maybe they do deserve it. Maybe they do need it. But you don't forgive somebody because they need it. You forgive somebody because you need it. Yeah. Sort of the first time that Prince recognized in lyrics, too, that life is short. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And is finite. And there's only so much time to do to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Right. We hadn't heard that before in his music. This song was the first single released from the album, too, and I wanted to touch on this a little bit because 
in my mind, I feel like the single releases from this album are the most confusing to keep track of in his entire discography between the U.S. and the U.K. getting different releases in different configurations. Right. So Paisley Park was released in the U.K., did not get a U.S. release. Right, which is a shame, which is, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, and it was had the B-side, She's Always In My Hair, which we'll cover in, a, in an episode next. The first single to release in the U.S. was Raspberry Beret, and it was backed up with... She's always in my hair. Uh So when it was released, when Raspberry Beret was released in the United Kingdom, it got a B-side different because She's Always in My Hair had already been been, released. uh It was backed with Hello, which is a different non-album track. So then, turn around, (laughs) next single in the U.S. is Pop Life. It gets Hello as a B-side because it hadn't been released here. In the U.K., Hello had been the B-side to Raspberry Beret. (laughs) So it got Girl as a B-side, which is another non-album track. And then the U.S. finally caught up and got America as a single and Girl as the B-side, and it was never released it's in the, the U.K. UK. So <laughs> really confusing to recap, and I kept going back through all my 12-inch records that I have of all these singles and trying to figure out, well, this was backed with this, but how did it happen in the U.K.? I had to look it all up. Yeah. So I got it straight. Well, good. I'm glad you have notes on that because I don't know that I would have realized all that stuff. Yeah. Um, The other thing I wanted to touch on this song was the way Prince sounds when he counts in the song at the beginning of this this song. There's this song and Raspberry Beret where he counts it in. One, two, one, two, three, four. And the beginning of Paisley Park, he kind of sounds a little stoned to me. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting I don't think for that a song was. we'll cover later. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that he was. I think it was just these were the many voices of Prince yeah. at the time. And so it was interesting to hear that at yeah. the beginning of the <laughs> intro to this song. All right then. Hmm? Yeah, that's a great song. So it, that song ends, and there's kind of this nice little violin string part at mm-hmm. the end that rolls right into Condition of the Heart. Mm-hmm. A very unique ballad as far as Prince Catalog. Prince's catalog goes and is basically a solo Prince performance from beginning to end. Okay. I'm interested to hear what you think about this one because this definitely is a kind of departure from uh, what you typically heard on a Prince album up to this point. Yeah, uh, I liked the tinkling piano. The synthesizers were super 80s. Uh huh. Very much kind of a Purple Rain sound, too. If you go back and watch the Purple Rain tour, these were kind of the kind of sounds he was working into live performances and they show up here. Yes. Yeah, it was. I felt like the intro to this song was more of a segue between Paisley Park mm-hmm. and Condition of the Heart because yeah. it was over two minutes long. Right, on an album that's, what, 43, yeah. 42 minutes long? A lot of space here is dedicated to right. uh, this kind of piano synthesizer part at the beginning of the song. Right. Spoiler alert, this isn't going to be my mountain. I d- it's just, it's a little. It's, it's just, it's not my favorite type it of is, music. It is a little dramatic, uh-huh. poetic storytelling yeah. of having the issue of falling in love with a lot of different faces. Yeah. And um, yeah. a little, uh, oh, woe is me, I have a condition of the heart and trying yeah. to make it in this princely, beautiful 
positioning. Yeah. yeah. I did uh, appreciate how vulnerable he was. He called himself a sometimes lonely musician. Uh-huh. And I appreciated the vulnerability that he let us see. And yeah, he me- mentions Clara Bow. Right. Which, you know, spoiler alert, it's not going to be my C either because I can't give a C to a song that has our daughter's <laughs> name in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, she was a 1920s actress. Mm-hmm. And she starred in a romantic comedy in the late 1920s called It, uh-huh. which, you know, now we think it, we hear Stephen It King. and we think of Stephen King. This was not that. This was like very far from that. But that's where the, the phrase, the It Girl, was coined. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that she was very popular and bubbly and happy and a yeah. trendsetter and... They called her the It Girl because people didn't really know celebrities' names that much Uh at that point. You know, I mean, somewhat, but not a ton. So she was just the It Girl. Hmm. (laughs) And that's where that term came from. Very, very cool. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, Prince had a, it was known for liking old movies and that kind of thing. So it's not surprising to hear a reference to that. And uh, her likeness is part of the album cover painting, too, which is fun. Which is a very endearing. Uh She's still a little skimpily clad, but... Yep, but in a 1920s kind of way. In a 1920s, still covered up and very happy kind of way. Right. Um, The chorus in the song refers to um, every single day is a yellow day. I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. And yellow day would recur in lyrics later. Um, There's a song on Sign of the Times called Play in the Sunshine. And yellow day is part of that chorus also. So he had a history of referring to, like there was a time period there where Yellow Day was his way of saying Happy Day. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can see somebody who lives in Minneapolis a really appreciating a beautiful sunshiny day yes. because sometimes it snows in April. That's right. And well, I thought I had in my head that probably this wouldn't be one of your favorite songs, but I thought it really fits on the album somehow here yeah. really nicely between yeah. Paisley Park and then rolling into the next song. I yes. think it is an interesting sequencing yes. of songs. Oh, I think that's something about this album that I noticed a lot was the sequencing was very deliberate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were, these songs were placed deliberately in this order to take you through this journey. No doubt. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, we have this very, like you said, vulnerability, the way he ends condition of the heart, you know, he says, And he makes this very, uh, he enunciates the word heart, I think, in a way that, you know, has this kind of acted sadness yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of echoes Feels out. like Clara Bow might have, been in a, might have been in a movie. Right. That was a little overacted. <laughs> yeah. Where Prince said, condition of the heart. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I just listened to it and I go, oh, that's kind of interesting yeah yeah (laughs) fun fun to revisit so that song ends and then um we roll into one of prince's most popular songs prince and the revolution's most popular songs raspberry beret yeah it was an excellent single choice but i thought it didn't really fit so much on this album it was a little i don't know it just seemed a little bit out of place with the other songs just a little bit not jarringly so Mm. But it just had a little bit different of a sound than the rest of the album. 
I think this whole album is full of different sounds, and I've read the same thing. A lot of people feel like this. If there's one song that feels out of place, it's this one. But I absolutely love it. I think. It's well, really, I, I love this song. I love too. the song, but I'm saying I love its its position. Okay. At track four. I think okay. it's really really cool. Second to the last track. If you think of listening this to this on the most popular medium at the time on a cassette or an album, this was yeah. the second to last song on side one and. We're building up still at this point. Yeah. I always find it amazing to revisit that this song was originally recorded in 1982 before most people had heard 1999. Yeah, that's amazing. This song was recorded and it sounds like nothing that you would think a 1982 Prince would write. It's so, it's great storytelling, simple lyrics, no real innuendo, I don't think, in the song either. It's kind of straightforward, you know, and about working at a convenience store. Uh-huh. And here walks in this lady dressed a certain way and becomes an, inf- an infatuation. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a great song. Here's a funny story. So his boss is Mr. McGee. Right. Mr. McGee. For many years, I thought it was Mr. Lukey. And yeah, like he was an Asian American person and that it wasn't that he was racist that he didn't like Prince. He only didn't like Prince working in his store because he was lazy, Uh not because he was a racist, which now I realize he was a little bit racist. (laughs) No, no, definitely Mr. McGee. Yes. Yeah. A great bridge in this song too about, um, Thunder drowns out with the lightning seas. Yeah. Can make you feel like a movie star. Well, and you said that there wasn't a there wasn't innuendo, but I thought that kind of was innuendo. Like the lightning sees them making love in this barn, and the thunder drowns out the cries of passion, oh. and the rain drowns out the rest of the world. That it's just the two of them uh-huh. in this barn. Yeah, but I thought it was straightforward enough to not be, oh, oh that's what this really means. Oh. It's not like Alphabet Street in no. window yeah. where <laughs> it means something completely different than what is being described. Fair. Um, it's, it's fairly just beautifully descriptive lyrics, not explicit lyrics, and not something that means more than what you're hearing. Right. But I think maybe maybe because I was a young person when I heard this and didn't have a frame of reference for it, uh-huh. that oh, that part now. went way over my head yeah, until definitely. I was an adult. Uh-huh. That so, makes sense. Yeah. I thought that you know, he had started experimenting with violins and getting strings in his music in Purple Rain. There's uh-huh. strings that are part of that. And so right. that's kind of, to me, what ties all these songs together a little bit. And the fact that there's these violins in Raspberry Beret just make it fit nicely. Yeah. Agreed. And I guess there was a racy love scene in a barn that was originally supposed to be a part of Purple Rain. I don't know if they had recorded filmed it or not. I think they had. I think I saw a screenshot from it. I went looking to see if I could find it somewhere. Uh I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, Yeah, kind of part of the uh, origin story of of this song in a way. Yeah. Even though the song was written long well, before and Pur- I, Purple Rain was ever And I conceived. think the idea was that this song might have been included on Purple Rain had that scene made it into the movie. Oh, there were so many songs he had for that album to yeah. whittle it down to the nine. Um, I could see how yeah. this one was kept in his kept pocket back, for a yeah. while. He had a history of that, of having you know great songs recorded long ago. And he would just wait. He was very comfortable letting them collect dust until uh-huh. the right yeah. moment occurred. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're lucky that he decided that here's a spot for Raspberry Beret. Yeah. 
All right, and then we have uh, tambourine. Here's your sexual innuendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how innuendo it was, other than the fact that he says tambourine instead of playing with himself. Right, or with someone <laughs> else. else. Yeah. yeah, it means many things. So yep. Another solo performance by Prince, completely him from start to finish. Yeah. Every instrument and voice you hear is him, which is amazing. If you especially listen to his drumming skills on this yeah, track. Pretty fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so definitely a song about sexual fantasies. Yeah. Um, you know, it starts off with him looking at a woman in a magazine and uh-huh. following and it, in love and uh-huh. kind of catching himself and saying, oh, here I go again. Yeah. <laughs> and leading up to the moment when he gets his tambourine out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you know it's not an actual tambourine because he left the U out of the title of the song. He did. So that's how you would spell it is with a U? Uh, that's like the official maybe 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 it's because I'm a Prince fan that if I wrote this word, I would never put a U in it. So I've probably been misspelling the word tambourine since about 1986. I think you are. It has the instrument... The word that means the instrument uh-huh. has a U in it. You're all right. Thank you very much. You are right. <laughs> uh-huh. So we've got our first, not first of probably many to come spelling lessons for me here too. <laughs> anyway. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. I don't care for one night stands and... Yeah, he does. Gee. He's calling somebody a slut. Okay. He doesn't want to sleep with a slutty girl. Okay, who's had been who's been around? Who's had seventeen partners already? That's a trolley car. I was gotcha. like, ouch. That yep. is. That was my thinking. Was that he was referring to someone who uh, has had many lovers? Yes. All and right. He didn't. Well. He didn't want somebody who'd had a lot of lovers. Yeah. Yeah. He probably. Yeah. Pot calling the kettle black there a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe so. But, but he gets to do that. Yeah. Well, and he definitely wanted the fulfillment within a committed relationship. Uh-huh. That was something that he talked about. He doesn't want to go and have a lot of one-night stands. Right. He'd rather stay at home and play with his tambourine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Rather than have... Yeah, a meaningless a, encounter. Yeah, having a bunch of partners. He'd mm-hmm. rather have meaningful partner and wait for that by satisfying himself. Yes, and mm-hmm. of course he confesses to that at the very end of the album, too, yes. which we'll get to. Um, did you find that you hear him saying something different than tambourine in, in many the, parts? In the first part, mm-hmm. I swear, I looked all over trying to find like lyrics that confirmed what I thought I was hearing. The... V- First part when he says tam, when he repeats the same word a bunch of times right. later in the song, it's definitely tambourine. In the beginning of the song, it sounds to me like trampoline. Yes, trampoline, or even I've heard it as troubling. Uh huh. Oh, okay. T r o u b l i n g. If I'm okay. spelling that right, there's yeah. a u in troubling. <laughs> yes, there is a u in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't know if it means anything or that's just him having fun lyrically with words that sound like something else and turning R's into L's. Um, you know, you mentioned racist before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know where that can go. Um, okay. I also love the whininess where there's a little break in the song and he's like, tambourine yeah. trolley cars. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the whole album right there. Tambourine. 
And I, I really got a kick out of um, Prince says, too bad we're not allowed to scream. Uh-huh. And then there's the little like whiny echoes uh-huh. that say, yeah, yeah, too bad. Uh-huh. Like they like don't, they're not sympathetic at all. Right. Yeah, get over it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you're not allowed to scream. I know. We know he worked strings into this album, but there's someone playing a tiny violin for Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I found humor in Prince's frustration. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the point. This is a. Um, it's a funny I don't know. He's song. laying it all out there. It's dirty, but his, it's funny. It's a little too. bit dirty. It's totally funky and fun. Um, but there's humor in it, which I think is really fun. Yeah. And then we have another single, America. Yes. Um, so that's tr- Tambourine is the very last song on side A. If you uh-huh. want to think of it as, you know, Prince kind of had to. It's what would fit on side A and B through right. this journey. Side 2 opens up with America, which, yes, was another single. The first song in his catalog to start with this kind of someone's putting their hand on the record as it uh-huh. starts playing with a start-stop. Yeah. Effect. Which is pretty cool. Loosely based on America the Beautiful, which is interesting. Again, kind of delving into politics again to a degree in this song. Um, I love the story of how the song was recorded. A full band performance recorded together and... It's got an extended version, quote unquote, extended, but it's not extended. It's just what they use to edit down the album version. And right. it lasts for 21 minutes and 46 seconds. And only ended because they ran out of tape. They yes. kept playing. Who but lost the their job that day? Yes. You don't have 21 minutes of tape when Prince and the Revolution are rehearsing together? Oh boy. I wouldn't I want to be that person. Yeah. Well. Yep. So obviously kind of a political song, but not the first one on the album. We had Paisley Park with um, Whoever Said Elephants um, Are Stronger Than Mules and starts with, uh, we've got a lyrics lyric about aristocrats on a mountain climb. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a time. slam at capitalism. And, a little bit. You know, these people just trying to climb their way even further up to the top. Yes, like when this they've already good got it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also a little healthy paranoia about communism too the other way about it just being a word but if the u.s fails then that's the only word we're all going to hear right turn into them so it's almost like damning the culture we've made for ourselves and fear of what's on the other side oh see and i heard it a little different like communism is a word and Mm. it's just a word but if the government hears you say it that's the only word they're going to hear you say that's how i heard it was not we're going to turn into them, but if you speak it out loud, that's the only thing the government's going to oh, hear from hear you from or you think about get, think about you. I so see. they're going to come after you, even though it's just a word. You may not believe in it, but if you say it out loud, they're coming for you. Okay. That's how I heard it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense. Okay. So we've got politics in the song. We touch on education a little bit, yeah. too, with Jimmy Nothing, who never went to school, and didn't take pride in anything and then he ended up on a mushroom cloud yeah a victim yeah. of a nuclear war because yeah. of his ignorance oh okay essentially okay yeah. i almost saw this as learning about the past to prevent it from happening again Damn. a Fair. little bit of that um he also talks about uh, a sister living in a one-room jungle monkey cage uh-huh. And I thought that was an interesting way to describe a studio in a city. Uh-huh. And he's talking about how you know she could barely make it because she was making minimum wage, but yeah. she was happy to 
break even to break even. And I was like, well, isn't that interesting? So I did a little research because that's what I do. All right, here we go. <laughs> and, Economics um, 101. So in talking about what it would cost at a minimum wage to be able to afford an apartment. Uh-huh. That in, in 1985? Is that what you're looking um, at? Well, I tried to find information for 1985. Uh-huh. I wasn't super successful at that, but I did find that even adjusted for inflation, between 1975 and 2015, mm-hmm. the cost of housing increased 50%. So after you've adjusted for inflation, so if it costs $100 for your share of the rent in 1975, in 2015, when you've adjusted for inflation, say it was, you know, $200 adjusted for inflation by Mm -hmm. 2015, you would actually be paying $250. So it's followed inflation plus. Yeah, it was inflation plus. So, Mm -hmm. and that's really pricing a lot of people out of the housing market that in 2017 to be able to afford on average a modest one bedroom apartment without having to spend more than 30% of your income on housing, you would need to earn $17 and 14 cents an hour Mm -hmm. just to be just a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. And to have your finances in line. Yeah. And to have a two bedroom apartment, it was uh, $21 and 21 cents per hour, which is three times the federal minimum wage. Mm. They were talking about in this article, which I'll post because it was interesting. The minimum wage in Washington, D.C. is $12.50. Okay. In, in order to be able to afford the fair market rent, you would have to earn nearly $70,000 a year <laughs> to be able for just a, for a two bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So assuming you have, you have a family, you know, if you have two parents and a child and both parents work, you need to make somewhere around $70,000 a year, which doesn't sound that bad until you start looking at what that means to a minimum wage worker. And that means 117 hours a week or nearly three full-time jobs to be able to afford a two bedroom apartment. So that leaves you interestingly enough, just seven and a quarter hours a day to commute, shower, eat errands, chores mm-hmm. oh and sleep yeah which you kind of need to do which you kind of need to do <laughs> yeah in order to be able to do that so i was like it's kind of a sad state of affairs that in 1985 he's or 1984 even when he's recording this yeah. you know it's really it's gotten worse yeah yeah this is i think you know purposefully of course based on america the beautiful but pointing out that there's so much wrong in our mm-hmm. country and here we are 33 years later uh-huh. and Things haven't changed. Uh, they've gotten worse. They've gotten worse. They've gotten worse. That's right. tough. Yeah. God shed his <sighs> grace on thee. Yeah. Here's hoping. One of these days. And then... I, re- uh, I just got to say this, too. Oh. I remember listening to... I've got America, the single, the 12-inch version of it on a record, and had a record player when I was 13, 14. And I remember listening to this song in my bedroom, not thinking it was really that loud, but my parents coming out to see what in the heck I was listening to because they had been hearing it for 20 minutes. Like, how long? What are you listening to? 
<laughs> it is the longest extended version or the longest released song or yeah, extended version in Prince's catalog at 21 minutes and 46 seconds. Uh-huh. So yeah, I remember getting, getting in a little bit of trouble <laughs> listening to America because my parents could hear it downstairs. Yep. Not because they objected to the lyrics, just because the it, beat was so incessant for 20 plus minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to some music, mom and dad. Yep. All right, and then we have Pop Life, another single. Yes, um, and a successful single off this album. This is the first time Sheila E. is credited with drums on a proper Prince album. Both Mm -hmm. Bobby Z. and Sheila E. are credited with drums, so I don't know if they were both playing different parts or they both contributed somehow, but they both are uh, included here. That's cool. Which is pretty neat. I wondered how you felt about listening to this song, which I know you've heard many, many times before, with the... uh, extreme echo yeah it didn't bother me this yeah. one didn't it didn't it i guess it didn't go as quickly yeah in back, between, it, it went one direction yeah i guess yes yes not and oscillating that, yeah it didn't go back and forth between the headphones uh-huh. so it wasn't an issue for me right yeah so fun fact that echo isn't really an echo at all it's two different vocal tracks that are oh, timed cool. differently yeah so if you can listen to it in a place where you can only listen to the right channel, you'll hear vocal track one, and listen to the left channel, you'll hear a, t- a completely different oh. vocal track that serves as an echo, but it's just timed differently. Or differently. That's yeah. neat. Very, very, very cool. Very cool. A really cool bass line, kind of the funkiest bass line in a Prince album in a while. Yeah. Certainly on this one that you can pick out from the very beginning. You know, we've got this break in it that's famous for, you know, sounding like we're at a horse race or something. People are gambling. Yeah, uh, I, that sounded like a, a like a boxing match. Yeah, or a boxing match. Yeah, yeah I can see that. It's a little jarring. Yeah, it yeah. is. And to think that that made it on the radio and it appears twice in the song where you yeah. know, the music is just interrupted by this weird thing. And it's from a sound effect collection okay. uh, that Prince has used in numerous places. Uh-huh. Same collection, actually, that's used throughout the gold experience for the vault door opening and closing and all these other things. Mm-hmm. But the song itself is, I think, kind of a fun message for someone like Prince who's you know reached kind of the peak of popularity where he would sit as a king for a number of years and recognizing that everybody can't be on top. We've all got a space to fill. There's a spot for everyone. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, and I thought maybe that bit was just a little bit condescending. Like, well, a man who's on top saying, well, everybody can't be on top. Yeah. Which that's I, hard to hear yes, from anyone. true. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes with a little more impact from somebody who isn't on top. Yeah, I mean, when Mother <laughs> Teresa cares for the poor, it means a little bit more than someone who's got, you know, the wealth right. that, you know, so much that they can't spend on themselves helps the poor. Right. So, sure, you can look at it with a little bit of cynicism, but I think it was more of a, I don't know, Prince was, again, bringing all these different musicians into the fold with him. Right. And it was like his own little world, and for the most part, the rest of those folks were common, everyday people who happen to have an opportunity to work with a superstar. Right, yeah. And, you know, he's the band leader. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. But every one of those people was necessary and important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they all played a role. Yeah, I did, Um. I liked the lyrics. Other than that little issue of like, well, you know, you're on top, it's easy for you to say everybody mm-hmm. can't be on top. I did like the, the lyrics, how he kind of pointed out that like, your million dollar check didn't come, well, you know, 
money isn't everything. Right. It was a boy when you wanted a girl. Yeah. You know, you still were blessed. Yeah. You were still blessed with a baby. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated too, that he, he said it that way. It was a boy when you wanted a girl, because so often you hear people, they want a boy, they want somebody to carry carry on. And maybe that's a little less now, but I can even remember, you Mm -hmm. know, back in the eighties. Oh, oh, we had our boy first. We're good. Yeah. Now we can, now whatever is fine. We dodged a bullet. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Especially for someone like Prince, who was nowhere near the point in his life of thinking about children or that kind of thing himself. No. And I, but I think that's something that he saw Mm -hmm. that he wanted for himself at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Hair is just hair, curly or straight. Be happy you have hair in your head. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) The basics. Yeah. The basics from Prince. Um, I thought it was a little sad that he had, it didn't have a lot of patience for his cocaine addicted friend or friends, whomever he's talking about or to. Right. In the fourth verse. Uh huh. Yeah, this was before I think society reached that point too of a, you know, this is. A problem, right? Not, uh, yeah, it was more like seen as a moral failing. Yes, yeah, so this, this is all about who you are, not more about you know circumstances. Right, led you this way. Right, uh-huh. yeah, you put in a position where you tried it, good yeah. or bad, and mm. now there's not a lot of options for you to make a good choice about that anymore. Right, right, and yeah. op- options for help were far more limited than oh, also also true. A great single, I think. So yeah. he played the song um, through in concerts throughout so his entire career. And... It's very catchy and fun. As a single, it um, actually got two different extended versions and remixes, which we'll listen to. One was remixed by Sheila E. Okay. That got a release, and then there's another extended version also. So we'll cover those two in our next podcast. Okay. And then we have the latter. Yeah, another song where Prince's dad, John L. Nelson, gets a co-writing credit along yep. with strings being composed by Wendy and Lisa. Yes. I thought it had, um, at the beginning, it sounded a bit like Purple Rain. Had a little uh-huh. Purple Rain flavor it to me. It definitely does. Definitely. In fact, that's part of my notes on this song is that if there's one song on this album that calls back to the past... Yeah. Or is Prince repeating himself a little bit? I think it's it's this one. It's got a similar sound, especially the drums right, uh, and the strings to Purple Rain. It was just discovered a few years ago that there's a song called Our Destiny where the string portion of the song at the very beginning right. was actually written for. And it's actually part of um, the Purple Rain Deluxe issue in June of 2017 included the song Our Destiny by Prince and the Revolution. The same string intro to the latter was pulled from uh, Our Destiny okay. verbatim. Oh, cool. So I, by the time Our Destiny surfaced, I think everyone who's followed Prince it was so used to hearing this in front of the latter that hearing it in its original form sounds uh-huh. odd still. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the case for me that's anyway. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... The latter, Prince referenced this earlier. I even checked lyrics where in Around the World in a Day, he says the former is red, white, and blue. Yeah. The latter is a, is purple. Come on and climb. And yeah. I always had heard it as, you know, we're talking about the former, former and the, and the latter, latter, L-A-T-T-E-R, uh-huh. but it's the, the latter. latter. Yeah. Uh, kind of play on words. It's, so It's going to help you find your way to Jesus. That's right. It's Prince's um, song about the way to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not a stairway to heaven. No, it's, it's a ladder. ladder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I thought it was too long. Too long? 
too long. It is the longest. Well, not the longest song on the album, but it leads... Uh, well, not even the second longest song. Third song, longest song on the album. Five minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, where Condition of the Heart was six minutes, 48. And then the final song, Temptation, is eight minutes and 21 seconds. So mm, This one still felt long to Five me. and a half minutes. Yeah, it yeah. definitely has its space uh, in, the, in the album. Yep. Interesting. Not really. doesn't really have a whole lot to do with it, I don't think. But the lyrics are, Now this king, he had a subject named Electra who loved him with a passion uncontested for him each day. She had a smile. Uh Electra, in Greek mythology, was like the female counterpart to Oedipus. She was in love with her father like Oedipus was in love with his mother. Okay. I don't know if that really has anything to do with the song, yeah. but I thought it was interesting. Very interesting. The word Electra, the name Electra, would come up later in Prince's career, too. He yeah. renamed the Playboy model and dancer yeah. Carmen Electra. Yeah. Gave her that last name. And there's an unreleased track called Come Electra Tuesday oh, okay. uh, that was recorded not long, not far from this time period also. So he would return to the word Electra a lot. Yeah. But yeah, definitely what I saw is, you know, it's all about the way everyone's looking for salvation and mm-hmm. they, everyone wants to know how the story ends, how it begins and what it looks like overall right but then also says every rung is important you yeah know, take it one at a time yeah that's sort of part of the message too yeah i like there was a little bit of like riffing at the end i liked yeah. that yeah with vocals and uh, yeah. kind of a round yeah uh, singing i liked, I liked that about yeah i also thought that it wasn't really that different of a message from the previous song pop life everyone's mm-hmm. looking for this right Prince had a lot to say on behalf of everyone in these last two songs. Yeah. So then we roll into the very final track on the album, Temptation. How often do you get to listen to a song that starts with a guitar solo? Yeah, it's nice. It's very cool. Yeah, very dirty kind of guitar sound. Yeah, grungy, dirty, gritty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this was based, this song is based on a piano portion of the Purple Rain Tour where Prince would be on stage alone with a guitar having a conversation with God, and when God would answer, it would be Prince banging on the piano. Uh-huh. Um, and even he even says, um, I'm talking about sexual temptation. Uh-huh. That part is in the yeah. Purple Rain tour right before he breaks into Let's Pretend We're Married on uh-huh. the piano. Yeah. So a lot of that is lifted into the end of the song. And I really like the story that we know now of how the song was originally a band performance and was yeah. much, much faster. Yeah, like twice as fast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and it was rehearsed during the sound check before a December 6th, 1984 Purple Rain stop in Ohio. Um, and that recording is circulating among friends and awesome among fans and great quality. So you can hear Prince walking the band through the song at a much faster pace and giving instructions for saxophone, how the chorus is supposed to work. Really, really cool. And in the end, none of that was used, but after that December 6th Purple Rain show, Prince was in Hollywood the next day at Sunset Sound, re-recording it with just himself and saxophonist Eddie M. Cool. Did the whole thing, just the two of them. Also love that where do you think Prince is on Christmas Eve in 1984? Yeah, he's in a part of this story. He's in a recording studio in Hollywood. No, no, he's actually in his driveway on Christmas oh, Eve. That's right. That's yeah. right. So this whole thing was recorded, and on Christmas Eve 1984, he performed a matinee concert at the St. Paul Civic Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. And that night, 
he had a mobile recording truck in his driveway and his home studio was being renovated. It wasn't right. available. So that entire end portion of the song where the God dialogue is recorded is Prince in his driveway on Christmas <laughs> Eve recording this. That's pretty in cool. In 1984. Very, That's very cool. cool. I think this, I mean, if you like Prince singing songs like his hair is on fire. Yeah. That's what this song okay. is like yeah. with the screaming and, you know, slowing down and speeding up and just sounding very, very frantic. I thought it was a very dark view of how God would view your sexuality, <laughs> yeah, especially like, that God would come and you kill messed you. Up. Ding. Yes, or kill or put to sleep that part of you that made you do that. If you yeah. want to like give Prince a little credit, which probably is not it. Um, <laughs> you you have a generous view of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. Is how do we do, do we take this literally that God came and killed Prince for his you know temptation sexual immorality? His, yes, yeah. or is yeah. it just that part of him, that part of his mind that has succumbed to mm. seeing it the way God wants us to see it, where Prince realizes, oh, now I understand. Love is more important than sex. Yeah, but it was kind of like too late. It was too late, but then he says, I'll do better. This time I promise. So yeah. if yeah. Uh, you know, he gets a second chance, but he had to go through a little bit of violence from God to <laughs> come out the other side. <laughs> going to send you to hell for a little bit. That's right. Yeah. Show you what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this one was too long, too. Oh, but. come on. Really? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> the whole thing or just the end dialogue part? Oh, I actually kind of liked the end dialogue part. Oh, really? Um, But I just thought it was too long. Oh, okay. I thought you would have liked it for, I mean, you get Prince screaming. At any any given moment of the song, there's going to be screaming and yeah. nonsensical lyrics <laughs> coming out of the scream. And the solo guitar and saxophone combination, which is yeah. kind of unique. I always like this song. It's all right. It's, it's all right not going to be one that I'm going to revisit a ton from this all album. Right. I like other stuff on this album better. Yeah, I might smell a C here. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see about the C. Yeah. So we've well, reached that point. Well, let's talk about the very end of the song, oh, though, okay. where Prince says, I have to go now. I don't know when I'll return. Uh-huh. Goodbye. There was all this thinking that Prince was going to stop touring and that he was just going to do studio albums for a little while because there wasn't a tour to support this album. And just been there was no tour. time. The time, you know, he's basically got seven and three quarter hours, like you said, to sleep, commute, <laughs> yeah. do everything else he's supposed to do it's here. It's like he's working a minimum wage job in Washington, yeah. D.C. and trying to afford a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah, this is an album that's sandwiched between the massive popularity and craziness of Purple Rain yeah. and all that went along with that and... Uh, his directorial debut and a world tour and a motion picture soundtrack for Under the Cherry Moon in the year following. So yeah. there just wasn't, there wasn't there was time. no way. No. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of this this album was played during the parade tour. Right. So anyway, just wanted to touch on that. To, okay. to hear Prince say, I don't know when I'll return. Goodbye. <laughs> And it oh, was like, dude, freaked fans out pretty good. I'm huh? sure. Yeah. Yes. Especially after, oh, it's only been 10 months since my last album. And here I am telling you, I don't know when I'll be, I'll be back. back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't no. know when Warner Brothers will let me release another album is probably more like it. Right. Yeah. Right. So yes. So go right. ahead. Now so now we have rules. Time. We have set for with, ourselves. Go ahead with the rules. We select a time capsule, something that encapsulated the time at which it was recorded or when it was released. The choice is yours. We have the sea, the thing we liked the least about the album, and the mountain, our favorite part. Right. Yes. 
All right. So you're going to start with the time capsule? Um, I thought America, with its kind of political Mm. message, was really, really on point. Uh But that was not my time capsule. Okay. My time capsule was Raspberry Beret. Because it was all over. And when you think of 80s, when you hear an 80s compilation of, you know, the best songs from the decade, this is one of them. I and, definitely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, amazingly, that I, th- I thought Raspberry Beret was a number one song. It only reached number two. Yes. Yes. Which I can't believe. I can't either. Anyway, number two, not too shabby for an album that no. wasn't promoted. It did get a video, and the video is very popular, and that was when MTV was really, you know. At its heyday playing, yeah, yeah. you know, music. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, too, was thinking America at one point for a time capsule because, you know, it, it touched on all, all that was going on in the world at that time and mm-hmm. what it was like to be an, an American. Well, yeah, uh, like really at the height of the Cold War. Right, and... right. A, a little bit of fear, and but also freedom, love, peace, yeah. all those things were coming back. Um, but I actually went with Paisley Park for the time oh, capsule. okay. Just because, obviously, it became the name of the center of Prince's universe um, from... When it was built and opened in 1988 and through the end of his life at 2016, you right. don't think of Prince now without thinking of Paisley Park. No. And while this song predates maybe the notion of a recording complex that he would build even, just the fact that he adopted the name and carried it forward, it became not only the name of his home and studio, but also the name of his label distributed by Warner Brothers. There was a lot invested in uh, that and now... Uh, Paisley Park is essentially the estate, the uh, what remains of Prince's legacy is carried right. out by that building. Yes. Um, and it's really pretty cool. And yep. you can go visit it now, yeah. which is also cool. It's super cool. Yeah. All right. So with the sea, the thing we liked the least, you said you smelled a sea in Temptation and it was close. Although I know you don't spell Temptation with a C. No. Yes. You don't. That's you don't spell my C with... A, my C with a C. Right. S-E-A. Either. Let's yeah, hear it. The latter. Yeah. I did the echoes, and there's the mostly speaking. Uh-huh. It was a little preachy. And, like, I appreciate some songs where Prince did a lot of speaking. So on Emancipation, he did uh, Dreaming About You. Yeah. Which I actually covered with uh, Darren on Track by Track. Uh-huh. And I really appreciated it there. It felt really intimate. And here I just didn't feel like it worked as well. Yeah. It didn't feel as intimate. It was preachy and I don't know. It just didn't speak to me. It's not something I'm going to come back to. Okay. Um, yeah, this album actually for as short, as short as it is at like 42 minutes, there's there's a lot of Prince kind of speak singing yeah. throughout this. Raspberry Beret is kind of speak sung in most parts. Yeah. The latter's got a lot of uh, kind of speak singing I actually agree with you. It's also my C. Oh, oh okay. Um, not because I'm I don't like surprised. it. I mean, I'm 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 a little torn because we've got nine songs that were basically curated out of the eccentric tracks that Prince was working on during and slightly after Purple Rain. But I didn't. I, the preachiness of it didn't bother me as much as you. I picked it just because of a on an album where we're trying to. Uh, where Prince was trying to say, don't expect the same from me. 
this song was more like his previous album than Fair. any other songs on the album. Fair. So it was kind of a um, a misfit for me on the album because um, it sounded like something I'd heard before. Okay. Um, and also because, like I said, it had a real similar message to the previous song on the album. We go from pop life about what everybody wants and here it is and then we roll right into the ladder and we've got almost identical lyrics and everyone's looking for the ladder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a long time to spend hearing Prince's vision of what everyone wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Fair. Um, I like the song uh, a lot. I do revisit it a lot, but if I had to pick um, my the the lowest rated song out of these nine, unfortunately, this ladder's going down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to have a really hard time picking a C mm-hmm. from this because yeah, it's such a colorful it... album, and it was compared to the Beatles. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Band album, and right. Prince denied that, uh, but the artist Doug Henders, who did the album cover, sort of said, yeah, that was my inspiration to right. do something different. But I think um, there was an interview with Prince where he was asked about people referring to the album as psychedelic funk rock, and he said he didn't have a problem with that because he wanted the songs on the album to evoke colors and right. and be eccentric, and so if that's the interpretation, then he felt good about that. Yeah, he was fine with that. Mm-hmm. All right. The mountain. The mountain. The best part. All right. So I'm going to talk about my contenders because there is so much to like on this album. Okay. There really is. It's short, but there is so much of it. It was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Raspberry Beret was ubiquitous and wonderful and just, you know, light and fun and funny and interesting and different. Mm -hmm. America was so powerful and still the revolution plays that they did. They played it when we saw them live, and it was just so still just as moving. Yeah. And then Pop Life, even with a little bit of preachiness, it was it's catchy and fun, and you know, a reminder that everybody's valuable and everybody's important. So Mm -hmm. those were the ones that I was like kind of torn to picking, but then I ended up picking Paisley Park. Oh, all right. That was really my favorite song. It's so sweet. And accepting, and the sing-songiness of it is just really absolutely endearing. And I love the idea that anybody can be in Paisley Park. That mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a little piece of heaven, and it lives inside of you. And yeah. you need to find heaven inside yourself in order to have peace in your life. So yeah, that was that was my greatest joy off of this album was Paisley Park. And I would like to say I chose that mountain before. We got the enamel pin. Okay. <laughs> I didn't pick it because it goes along with our contest. Okay. It was, I didn't think we were actually going to have those in order to be able to include that in this. I thought uh-huh. we were going to have to wait an album to do that. Oh, okay. But it came early. It came earlier early, than you expected. earlier than I expected. Yeah. And it's a happy accident. So felt like it was meant to be. Cool. Yeah. Well, that that song definitely, um, you know, it's been adopted by the folks running Paisley Park. There's t-shirts that have the lyrics to the song that we've got one of those. And a neat little way of defining what is inside everyone's heart. And I definitely yeah. agree with you. Um, yeah. Don't have a, there's no wrong answer here. No, really not. Um, for me, the mountain ended up being, I really wanted to pick the title track because I thought it was really daring to okay. start a follow up album to something like the, of the commercial success of purple rain with 
instruments that had never been heard on a Prince album before. Um, I wanted to give, you know, I, I do want to give an award of merit for that song for, for that very reason. Um, but I chose Raspberry Beret oh, as the mountain. Uh-huh. I think it's easily one of the top five uh, pop songs that Prince ever composed. I am sure. shocked that it didn't reach number one. It's um, You mentioned Ubiquitous. I think that song, you hear the first opening bar of it and you can immediately identify it. It's got that wind doves cry quality about yes. it as being immediately identifiable, but for a, really a different reason than right. wind doves cry. And the fact that it was originally recorded in 1982 before anyone heard Little Red Corvette, the song was in the can, um, was re-recorded for this album to add strings and to bring it up to match the sound of the album. Um, But to think that it was conceived some two, three years prior was really cool to me. Um, So... I found that to be my mountain. Excellent. Wow. I have I have no shade about that because I really almost put Raspberry Beret as my mountain. It yeah. was I was and then I decided, no, I think I want it as my time it capsule. It definitely works as a time capsule because you yep. hear that song and if you had grew up in the eighties and were watching MTV, you can picture even the outfit Prince was wearing in the video. Yeah. Uh, just goes hand in hand with that song. The yep. blue, the blue outfit with clouds painted on it and yep. even the boots that matched. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. All right. So next time. Next time, uh, we're going to delve into some of the uh, ancillary material around this album. We're going to take a look back at the video for Raspberry Beret. Yay. uh, The video for America. Excellent. And uh, there are a lot of great non-album tracks associated with this album, many of which a lot of critics feel like would have been better on this album than as B-sides. Yeah, critics. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Critique. whatever. Whatever. Um, they work great as B-sides. So the, those tracks are She's Always in My Hair, Hello, Girl, and also we're going to include For the Tears in Your Eyes, which Prince contributed to the We Are the World project in right. 1985. Right, he didn't want to uh, participate in the mass right. sing-along. Yeah, which I think was a good idea. Probably. Yep. Um, but I appreciate that even though he didn't want to participate in that, he... Uh, it contributed something. Yes. Gave a song yes. to them, which was what he was best at. Yep. Um, we're also going to re-listen to the extended versions of songs that are part of the singles for this album. We've got a long version of Raspberry Beret. Fun. Two different mixes of pop life Fun. to listen to. And we'll have to spend a lot of time listening to America <laughs> at 21 minutes and 46 uh-huh. seconds. And then hear it fade out at the end because they ran out of tape. tape. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, I cannot wait to dive into that stuff because some of my favorite things about this album will be things we get to hear more of. So that's great. Yep. All right. So don't forget, share, retweet, rate and review. Screenshot and email. Screenshot and email those rate and reviews. And we wanted to do it that way rather than having to go find it because I know not everybody listens on, you know, their Apple podcast catcher. That's not how everybody gets it. And I don't care how you get it. I just want you to rate and review it because it's good all the way around. Now, Apple's the big one, Mm -hmm. but if you, wherever you're listening, they usually have an option to rate and review. So wherever you're listening to us, rate, review, take a screenshot, email it to tmatspodcast at gmail.com, and then retweet and share on Facebook and Twitter so that we can 
catch you there and we're delighted i'll put a picture of this pin up it's so cute yeah, it's still wrapped you in plastic it. unopened it's unopened it's so cute you want it i promise all right well thank you so much and we'll see you next time thanks for listening <laughs>